2: Joining us on the Storm Collegiate Spotlight podcast is Gordon Vatican. Back in 2019, Coach V retired from his head coaching position at Wichita State. His accomplishments include 18 team national championships, 145 National Collegiate Bowling Coaches Association All-Americans, and 239 academic All-Americans. Coach V, it's Tim Berg and Coach KC of Klemkin here. Thank you for joining us today. Well, guys, thanks so much for having me on again. This is always a big treat for me. Coach V, as you hear me list those accomplishments, which one makes you the most proud when you look back over your time as coach at Wichita State?
1: Probably the uh, Academic All American one. We've had like uh, so many Academic All Americans, like 360 some. Uh, you know, our. Grade requirement uh, at the USBC level was pretty high, 3.5 cumulative GPA. Uh, So in other words, you've got to have that GPA up there continuously uh, to get that honor. So uh, pretty proud of that. Now, one of the the things, uh, Coach V, as
0: far as uh, I don't say philosophies, but I guess maybe that is kind of the right word for this, um has been, you know, looking into ways to improve or change or evolve. I think there's maybe a word that you've used as well too, as far as the shocker bowling program. Um and while I was there, and it has been a few years now, I will admit <laughs> it's been a few years. Uh, <laughs> yeah. but from from when I started, even just in that short amount of time, the couple of years in the program, we were always uh, looking at uh in and changing uh, our own philosophies on what we were doing, whether you know, dependent on uh, what type of practice we were going to have, or if we were going to be working under certain uh, people, working on mental game, working on physical game, lane play. The, the Monday classes that we had, those uh, education classes were always uh, very valuable. Um, how much have you seen? Uh, I mean, you were we we're looking at forty plus seasons, right? I mean, how much? How much did you see a change? Uh, and how much evolution and how frequently did that happen, and what were some of the more notice, noticeable and memorable big changes uh throughout the throughout your career there
1: well you know we had uh we had very little direction when all of this started uh, you know there was no paid uh full time coaching anywhere, and uh, that's pretty much anywhere i think uh in our country or almost maybe very little internationally until we were fortunate enough to be offered full-time coaching jobs, and that was in 1996. So prior to that time, we were just, uh, we were running by the seat of our pants. My job was to run our recreation center facility, as you know, Steve, and, and uh, that was a huge amount of time. So 90, 1996, the president uh, and the director of our student union basically said, Let's make this a full-time position. let's let you have an assistant coach let let's let the rec center be run by a full-time manager and assistant manager. so in a very rare rare move we split two positions into four positions. that doesn't happen much on a college campus and I think it was good for the coaching profession because we saw an awful lot of uh, full-time college coaches that began to uh, show up at intercollegiate bowling programs across the country so that was that was kind of a uh, a tipping point in terms of running a real program but up until that time we were on the seat of our pants trying to do double duty and at that point we we learned the hard way over a lot of years what not to do and what to do made a lot of mistakes there wasn't really a um, there really wasn't someone leading the way for us we had to learn that as we went we were only driven by the belief that we did not want to fail we did not want to fail we wanted to learn we wanted to get better uh, and we were tremendously disciplined towards that so things like codes of conduct and picking team captains and things that might be common in sport generally were things we learned the hard way as we went along
2: and coach along those same lines as Teams now are dealing with the COVID pandemic and the new guidelines and regulations, yeah. and, and it's not going away. We we can see that as as variants are, are popping up again all over the place, hotspots all over the place. Can you recall anything during your coaching career where you had anything similar, where you guys were forced to pivot, and you might not have players, and just the the unknown that teams are going through now when they when they are, are planning on chewing up on the lanes.
1: I don't think anything compares to this, uh, Tim. I mean, this this is unprecedented stuff here that these these athletic teams are are dealing with at all levels, professional and collegiate and everything. It's just extraordinary times. We never had any any kind of situation that was this demanding. Our uh, our problems, our challenges were just trying to be like a baby being born. You know, it was just birthing pains of trying to figure out how to do it better. It was uh, pretty internal. I think every Shocker Bowler, uh, you included, Steve, through a time you were with us, saw lots of change, and that was like, wow, there couldn't have been more change than what I went through, but in essence, Mm. we were evolving constantly in our program to try to figure out how to do it, how to do it the right way, how to do it in a way that was ethical, that was uh, above board, that was To put the student in front of the athlete, Uh, how could we teach at a high level? We just had this belief that everything we did could be better. And we made every year our goal is to try to improve every facet of the program, like the educational sessions, our practices, our tournament schedule, our fundraising. Whatever it ran, whatever it was, we were never satisfied, I guess. And if I had any skill at all in that, it wasn't so much that I was a mastermind and saw a great pitcher, I just think I created some belief in our players and our other coaches that we can, we must be able to strive to get better every year in every aspect. One of the things I was thinking about is as you mentioned that when you're talking about that
0: striving for improvement and some one of the technologies and there's been so many technological advancements. I mean, since you know I was right. there in the fall of '92 through '95, those three years there. And uh, this was before anybody even had a, a, a cell phone, right? Yeah. I mean, there was, no, there was no YouTube. There was no – and you can just imagine, I'm thinking about this, going back, is what if we had some kind of a post-tournament recap? You could actually go back and see what happened, what you yep. were doing, either right or wrong. seems like the learning curve would, would or could
1: have been so much quicker. It's an unprecedented time in learning. I mean, there's a lot of uh, pot shots at social media and the internet generally, but you got to think uh, to a certain extent. You can take a stance of <coughs> the technology. We're in a golden age, age of technology. We're able to we're able to explore things and look at things, especially in our sport, that we never had access to before. Uh, just just all of the technology that's on the lanes with the the lane dressing equipment and the bowling ball changes and you know, all of the, the video analysis work and CATS programs and torches and all of the things that continue to be developed, you would have liked to have had them develop back at that time, but that was technology pushing quicker learning, better learning. And what you've seen is a lot of great players that are probably better now than they ever were uh, back in the time when we didn't have that technology. Now, one of the
0: things I'm thinking, too, and this is, I mean, you look Chris Barnes. You've heard the name mm-hmm. Coach V. You've heard yeah. of Chris Barnes. Yeah, just <laughs> a yeah. uh-huh. His his kid just had back to back 800 series. Yeah, and he's this is his. He's been bowling for three years. Yeah, I mean, talk about yeah. getting getting to a certain you know highly competitive level in a short amount of time. I don't know if some of that is is his technique being a two handed player. Can you get better quicker? Or is it having Hall of Fame parents that have all the knowledge and you're just
1: ready to accept it? What, I mean, how does that happen? Well, no one knows how to get to that higher level better than Brian Barnes' dad. You know, uh, Chris is a great mentor, and he, he was always so smart, even in college and after. He understood real quickly that, you know, I can't get better just in practicing. I have to compete, and I have to compete a lot. And he's put Ryan in that situation. He puts him out there and and lets him compete a lot. You're going to fail a lot when you do that, but you're going to learn a lot at the same time, aren't you? So that's words to anybody listening to this podcast. I mean, you can't get better by not competing. You have to compete. You have to train for sure. You have to have tons of repetition, but you have to go out and use it in a competitive environment. And that's the only way it sticks. You can't repeat a skill physically or mentally in practice if you don't Take it to the lanes and compete. If you compete with it and you have some success, even a little bit, that is an emotional lock between your mind and your body, and you'll be able to replicate that in future times out on the lanes.
2: Coach, what are some of the biggest takeaways you hope players have when they leave your program and take with them on the lanes, whether that's on the PWBA, the PBA Tour, maybe they're just going to bowl uh, USBC Open Championships or compete as as an amateur. What do you want your uh, players, uh, athletes, as they leave the program to take with them?
1: One of the things we do, I think, extremely well at Wichita State is teach a set of skills in and around team play. Uh, how to be observant and aware of your teammate's shots. How to how to encourage teammates. How to tell them what they need to hear, not what you want to say, but what do they need to hear from you? What do they need from you? Now, in that process of doing that, the the very sharp players, and I would put Coach K in this in this category, understand that in coming up with the words to support a teammate, coming up with those words in your brain and having them come out of your mouth. Good team play discipline of support and encouragement and belief towards teammates teammates actually creates support and belief in yourself. A lot of people doubt themselves. A lot of people speak very negatively to themselves. This is a fact, and you can't get much done positive when you're relentlessly negative. That's a fact, too. So I'd like to think through team play, I really believe individual greatness comes if you're perceptive enough to see that the dialogue that I'm creating in my mind to support a teammate is the same dialogue I need to tell myself when I compete individually so this is this is not rocket science here scientists here I mean we just studied it we just looked at it we understood that what we do to encourage ourselves is the same dynamic that we encourage teammates with
0: it is so strange I, I will admit and there's it's I think it's especially, I mean, if it's hard for me at 51 to wrap my brain around, you can imagine when you're 18 or 19 going into college and and your coach tells you, if you want to bowl better uh, you know, personally, you need to
1: stop worrying about yourself and think about your team. Oh, what a great comment. Yes, very true, very true. Get out of your own way by putting all your effort and energy into the people you're bowling with uh, some amazing things start to happen there when you're when you're that observant and that aware what happens when it's your turn to get called on to go into the lineup you've thrown every shot because you've watched every shot you've been in tune with every shot you've been bowling every shot hell I know exactly where to stand I know what ball to throw I know what speed and angle and release I know what to do but if you're if you're sitting back in team play waiting for the coach to tap you on the shoulder and say okay it's your turn you're Completely unprepared. You're cold coming off the bench. You can't make a shot. It's like, where, where's everybody standing? What, what ball are they using? Uh, they, you have no idea if you're not dialed in to what's happening. That can apply to individuals. You're dialed in so you can support the people on your pair that you're bowling with. I've seen that happen time and time again with people who could have been negative in our program but learned after they left the program. I like the idea of positivity when I play. It makes me play better. Let me control the environment. Let me encourage the people on my pair so I can be encouraging myself and play better. It sounds crazy. It's not crazy. It works. And this is team. I mean, team competition. We're
0: we're talking about this on the collegiate level, but one of the cool things and one of the biggest team achievements there is 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 winning the title at the the USBC Open Championships at the time. You were fortunate enough to win an Eagle in the team event in Wichita. The video just had surfaced fairly recently, and I enjoyed going back through and watching that. What was it like for you, and what was the difference in terms of winning a championship on that level with you as a player versus being one as a coach? Or was there any difference?
1: Oh, my. Well, it's it's a very special memory. I will say one one thing before we talk about that is one of the little-known facts about uh, my time with Wichita State, is we had 37 people in our program that went on to win ABC or USBC Eagles. Wow. Now, to me, that's a statement, again, of team play skills are transferable. We've had put-together teams of ex-Shocker bowlers that have gone on and won Eagles. And I that's one of the things I'm really proud of because... Team play is critical in that event. Uh, I think we know that, especially in the team event. Uh, It was for our team back in 88 and 89. We had that little blip there where we played very well, won the team all events in 88, won the team event in 89. That was an amazingly, uh, it was a confluence of events that came together in 1989. And seeing that tape recently, because it's been put up on YouTube. Uh, I don't even know if I'd ever really seen it in its entirety before it brought back all the memories. But I think for Coach Lewis and I, Mark Lewis, uh, we were both on the US, both on the U.S. team at that time. And uh, that's kind of amazing in and of itself. But we just went to the Olympic Training Center, just got back before that team event. We had just got back. And it was the first year that Fred Borden was the head coach. And Whoa. if you've If you've been around Fred any, and some listeners probably have, he's inspirational. Still at his age now, he is just, he's a treasure to the sport. And we had never been around anyone like that. And we kept him up. We were there like eight days. We kept him up every night till 2.30 in the morning, picking his brain. (laughs) We were up at 6.30 in the morning. Lewis and I were just pumping him for information. And I'll tell you what, all you did there, and Steve, you've been there. I mean, it's just, Mm -hmm. you go eat. And you go bowl, and you you talk about bowling. You learn about bowling the entire time. We were as sharp as razor sharp as two players could have ever been. So we walked in there, and it was like, man, let me add them. This is going to be fun. I don't think I've ever had as much fun as a bowler uh, than that eighty nine event. It was in our hometown. There was a mm. Wichita. It was in Wichita. There was no. There was a build up to the tournament because Wichita, as you know, is a good bowling city, and back then. The local paper promoted the heck out of this. The TV stations. We had the bleachers. Incredible. Bowlers never get this. You know, you never get to play mm-hmm. in front of a like a like a basketball game or a football game. We had a crowd of several thousand people there because it was opening day. It was the opening squad, and we shot uh, just enormous thirty four eighty one. Uh, no one had ever shot. We start out with twelve thirty two. No one had had 1,200 in the history of the ABC tournament up until that point. No one had shot more than over 3,300. So what we did was just kind of a magical night. It was just, uh, it, it, it's just incredible. Now, certainly that was the start of uh, high scoring at the USBC championships. There's no doubt about that. The scores had gone up tremendously since then. But they had put together an ideal facility. Uh, the scores were high throughout that event. So it was just When we turned around, the crowd of 4,000 people were giving us a standing ovation. I get chills saying that. That doesn't happen to bowlers. Happens Mm. to football players. Baseball players. Doesn't happen to bowlers. And that was what we experienced that night. And we had to salute the crowd because they were there Mm -hmm. to watch us. It was nuts. I mean, I I, I just, uh, I can't tell you how thrilling that was. And, who knows at that point? It's the first day of a 100-day tournament. Who knows if that score is going to hold up, and luckily it did. Uh, but uh, it's one of those memories as a bowler that's probably one of the highlights of my bowling side of my life.
2: Coach, as we wrap up here, what advice do you have for that collegiate coach who's listening to this? And maybe they're new on the program. Maybe they're just getting things started, or maybe they've been at it a few years What are some things that you would advise them to do as they get their program off the ground?
1: One of the first things is, maybe this is evolving a little bit, but Steve knows we developed a philosophy, uh, learning, working, being loyal over over many, many years of doing this. It all came back to those three things. Are you going to work hard? Are you going to learn in the classroom, on the lanes? And are you going to be loyal to what you're being shown? Uh, These are the three qualities for us that, typify the player that got the best out of our program and what it had to offer so crystallizing the philosophy of what you believe in at the same time have a philosophy have something that you you truly believe in and that may change as you get more experience down the way
0: awesome well well great stuff and thanks so much uh coach v for joining us today i wish we could uh chat more we could almost have for me personally we could have a whole podcast uh just on the 1989 team event uh there i mean it was you, you could really see the the way when you get a team working properly in kind of the communication the body language the right. enthusiasm for each other right I mean, that's that's something that's just so neat. And I would encourage all of the listeners to just hop on YouTube right now. Uh, Just just go on there and just search out uh, Chilton Vending 1989 uh, ABC Bowling Tournament, uh, the team championships there. And uh, you will be in for a treat. I tell you what, the the two and a half hours or so it took you to bowl, the time will fly by watching that and uh i got to tell you coach you had some great moves on the lanes and coach l <laughs> and he was a high flying guy after every strike wasn't he i mean yeah that's
1: uh, too many knee surgery since then that's not
0: possible <laughs> 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 anymore coach yeah coach coach uh well we've both had s- uh, some knee work as well acl uh work right. and uh, it's Oh, man, that's no fun. So I'm glad that's behind us. Hopefully that we don't have any more of those in the future. <laughs> well, Coach B, thank you so much for joining us, and thanks for all you've done for the sport. It's just uh, it's just, thanks, just awesome.
1: I appreciate the, the conversation. Anytime. Thank you.